What's up everybody? It's Pastor James and welcome back to our midweek Bible study. Today we are finishing up the book of 2 Corinthians and uh, we will be able to cover all of today's chapter, chapter 13 that is, as Paul closes out his letter and gives some final advice before he comes and visits them one last time. Now, Next week, we will be starting a new book, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let it be a surprise. Uh, some of our Wednesday night people have requested this book. I'm super excited to start on it, so you'll have to tune in next week to get it. But let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and let's look at verses 1 through 10 first as we talk about some final advice that Paul's giving to the Corinthians. This is the third time I am coming to visit you. And as the scriptures say, the facts of every case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I have already warned those who had been sinning when I was there on my second visit. Now I again warn them and all others, just as I did before, that the next time I will not spare them. I will give you all the proof you want that Christ speaks through me. Christ is not weak when he deals with you. He is powerful among you. Although he was crucified in weakness, he now lives by the power of God. We too are weak, just as Christ was. But when we deal with you, we will be alive with him and will have God's power. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. As you test yourselves, I hope you will recognize that we have not failed the test of apostolic authority. We pray to God that you will not do what is wrong by refusing our correction. I hope we won't need to demonstrate our authority when we arrive. Do the right thing before we come, even if that makes it look like we have failed to demonstrate our authority. For we cannot oppose the truth, but must always stand for the truth. We are glad to seem weak if it helps show that you are actually strong. We pray that you will become mature. I am writing this to you before I come, hoping that I won't need to deal severely with you when I do come, for I want to use the authority the Lord has given me to strengthen you, not to tear you down. All right. So as Paul talks about this third visit, it is important to know that this will be the last time that he will ever see the Corinthians. Now, Paul nor the Corinthians know this, but we do because we have scripture and we have historical documents and we know that this is going to be the last time Paul sees them. But as he writes this letter, Paul quotes a passage directly from Deuteronomy 19 that talks about the testimony of two to three witnesses. And it's important to know that when Paul visits this time, that he will come with all of the authority that he has to execute judgment on anyone that is still living in sin and rebelling against the church and the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And when he comes, if there is two or three or more witnesses who will testify against anyone living in sin and living in rebellion against the gospel, then Paul is going to use his authority to cast these people out and hold them accountable. Now Paul has warned them, and he has loved them, and he's pleaded with them, and now he comes to make things right. The sin and rebellion have been allowed to go on long enough, and now anyone still participating in it, Paul says, will not be spared. 
Verses 3 and 4 should strike fear into anyone that would oppose Paul. Uh, because we have scripture and we know that all that went on during this time. And we know in the early church that God struck down Ananias and Sapphira. And we know the powerful things that Christ did in and through the apostles and in and through Paul. And the rebels kept <clears throat> asking for and screaming this whole thing of they want proof, they want proof, they want Paul to be able to show that he's a true apostle. And now Paul is ready to come and display the power of Christ. He has reached the point where he's ready to come and display it, but Paul is not going to display the power of Christ to prove his, his apostleship. He's going to use the power of Christ to correct and rebuke people who are living in sin and bringing destruction into the church. And Paul says, although Christ made himself weak in sacrifice, he now rules with strength at the right hand of God. And although we are weak, Christ makes us strong. And Paul, being weak by nature, is now going to demonstrate the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit through his weakness when he comes. And Paul is very determined and openly proclaiming that he will display the very power of God when he deals with them. And that really should strike fear in anyone who would listen. I mean, you have to remember, after all, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says that fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So, understanding that you should be fearful of the Lord. You know, if Paul comes and he displays power, he's not displaying his power, he's displaying God's power. And God's power should strike fear in anyone who believes in him. So verse 5 is a powerful verse. Paul challenges the Corinthians to examine and evaluate their faith, their hearts, and really their beings. <clears throat> Everyone on earth may be able to profess faith in Christ. Anyone can say it at any time. And everyone may be able to deny that Jesus is not in them. So if you say, is, if Jesus is not in you, then they, can, they can deny that if you say it to them. But in their hearts, they know the truth. And we all know the truth when it comes down to it regarding this issue as to whether or not Christ is in us. The Spirit of God reveals all truth and will not let us continue on in our sin and rebellion without convicting us. And that's important to understand and know. It's important to understand for yourself, but it's also important to understand as you're dealing with others to, to realize that God is not going to let people continue on in their sin without convicting them and revealing the sin in their lives so that they can do something about And the reason you can rest assured of that is because <clears throat> the Spirit of God who reveals all truth is not going to let us go on in our sin without convicting us because if He does, then we cannot be held accountable. If we don't know something is sin, if we don't realize it, if it's not been revealed to us, then we can't be held accountable for that. But if God reveals to us and convicts us of our sin, then He can hold us accountable in that sin. But because the Spirit is faithful to convict and reveal, no one in all of creation has an excuse not to know God, 
not to turn to him in genuine faith and not to repent of their sin and rebellion. And this is what Paul is talking about. And he vehemently defends his apostleship once again as he claims that he has examined himself and his companions and not only have they passed the test of faith, but they have also passed the test of apostolic authority as well. The question to be answered comes in verse 7. Will the people of Corinth refuse the correction of Paul and his companions? Everything that Paul is writing is hinging on this question. Will they reject it or will they accept it? And Paul hopes and prays that there will be no need to demonstrate his authority. Paul doesn't want to demonstrate his authority. Paul has nothing to gain to demonstrate his authority. He has resolved himself to be ready to demonstrate authority when he arrives in a last-ditch effort. And because of that, Paul pleads with them to do the right thing before he gets there so that he don't have to display that authority. And Paul would rather continue to look weak and seem to fail to demonstrate that authority as long as the people of Corinth repent and were in right standing with Jesus Christ. Paul insists that they must always stand for the truth, and Paul's talking about himself and his companions, the other leaders. They must always stand for the truth and uphold it, because after all, Jesus, the gospel, and the Holy Spirit are absolute truth. To go against truth is to go against the very nature of the Savior that we claim to serve. So because of all that, Paul is happy to continue to look weak in order to help the Corinthians be strong. He doesn't care to display his authority as long as the Corinthians repent and turn to God. He would actually prefer that than to discipline them and to have to display the power of God. And he wants them to grow and mature. (coughs) Their decision in all this will be a display of the presence of God in their lives. If they submit, then they will be strong. And if they are strong in Christ, then Paul can continue to look weak by not having to demonstrate the power of God in his leadership. And all of this is being written by Paul, hoping that his visit will be a visit of love and fellowship rather than rebuking and punishment. Paul only wants to strengthen these people. There is no desire in him at all to tear them down in any way. All right? Well, let's read verses 11 through 14, and we'll finish up this chapter. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. All of God's people here send you their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. All right, Paul's desire for these people is evident in his last few words. First of all, he wants them to be joyful. And now that's important because joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit must be present in them in order for them to have joy. And he wants him to be healthy and strong in their relationship with Christ, which will inevitably lead to joy because it will lead to the filling of the Spirit, which leads to joy. 
And he also wants them to grow, but not just grow, but to grow in spiritual maturity. And you got to remember, they were still young and immature Christians. I mean, less than two years. Paul wasn't mad and ready to deal harshly with them because they fell into sin or because they rebelled against him and his authority. But rather, he was ready to deal harshly with them because they refused to repent. They were tearing the church apart. They were refusing to submit to the true gospel, the true Christ. That's why Paul was so ready to display the power of Christ. Spiritual maturity isn't about being perfect. Paul was not angry or frustrated that they weren't perfect. But spiritual maturity is about acknowledging our faults and failures and leaning more and more on Christ to bring us through those things with grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness. That Those things are so important. And so Paul wants them to experience that and have that. And that's why he's calling them to repent. Because he doesn't want to display his power. Displaying the power of Christ and rebuking them is a last-ditch effort to restore them to a healthy relationship with Christ. Now he wants these people to encourage one another. And you got to remember in the past two books as we've dealt with the Corinthians, they had not been doing this. Remember, most of the people were divisive, they were condescending, they were negative. There was constant bitter and jealousy among them. There was division. They were constantly elevating themselves above one another. And there's a need for believers to live in harmony and peace. This is one of the greatest testimonies that we have is our love for one another. (coughs) To live in harmony and peace is going to be huge for us to be witnesses of Christ. This is the evidence of the Holy Spirit being present among us. If they will do these things, Paul assures them that the God of love and peace will be with them if they will do these things. And I personally like how verse 12 calls the Corinthians to greet each other with a sacred kiss. Um, You know, you don't usually get close to the people that you dislike, much less kiss them. And, you know, in our culture today, kissing is a very intimate thing. But during this time, a, a... a kiss would have been a, a formal greeting of respect and love and, and welcoming someone in. So it's not a kiss on the lips, just a kiss on the cheek. But it, it would help break down many barriers as it showed respect and welcoming to the other person. And Paul's calling them to do that with one another. There's a need for them in the body of Christ to welcome and love one another because they had not been doing that. They are all brothers and sisters in Christ, and they should love one another dearly. And you got to think, you got to remind yourself of this, even for us personally. These are the people that we believe we will spend eternity with. Never forget that. The people in your church, the people at Graham Chapel, the people in other churches, for all of us who claim to be believers... Fellow believers are the ones that we are going to have to spend the rest of eternity with. We better be able to love them. Because if we can't, are we sure that we can spend eternity with them or do we even want to? And so Paul's challenging them to love one another, kiss one another, be affectionate and greeting and respectful and lifting one another up in brotherly love. In his final two verses, Paul sends love and greetings and blesses them 
with a wish that grace and love and fellowship of the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit would be with them. As Paul closes out his letter, he doesn't want to cast anyone out. He doesn't finish up by saying, remember, I'm coming and I'm going to discipline you or I'm going to bring the full authority of God or I'm going to punish everyone. Just like I said, the power of God is coming. No, he wants all of them to be included in fellowship and they need to be in the fellowship of the church and they need to be in the fellowship of God. And that's Paul's greatest desire. He's reminding them that he loves them. He wants the best for them. He wants to strengthen them and lift them up. And that is why he is coming. So, as we close out 2 Corinthians, and as we close out for today, I just want to ask you guys, how willing are you to accept the authority and the the truth of other believers pouring into your life and calling you out in areas that you may need to be called out in. Because the truth is, we're not all perfect. I can't tell you how many times I've been corrected by other believers in my walk with Christ. <clears throat> and as I look back on that, you know, I'll be honest with you. Whenever someone first corrects me, I don't always receive it well. I'm not always in the mood to receive it well. Sometimes people say things at the worst times. But as I look back, when fellow brothers and sisters come to me and they correct me or they rebuke me or they offer suggestions, most of the time they're right. And if I can humble myself and bring myself to the understanding that I need to be willing to love my brothers and sisters and at least consider what they say, rather than writing them off as being annoying or abrasive or just repulsive, if I can listen to what they say and where they're coming from, most of the time, other people are right. Because we always see better from the outside looking in. It's really hard to see from the inside. It's really hard to see ourselves. But other people see us many times more clearly than we do. And we need to remember that. We're all brothers and sisters. That's why Christ created the church, so we can hold one another accountable. And we need to be ready to do that, to love one another and hold one another accountable. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for another wonderful day, for bringing us together, giving us the opportunity to have things like this um, podcast and this Bible study. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and minds. Help us to learn from these Corinthians. Lord, thank you for the struggles that they had 2,000 years ago whenever they were dealing with one another and dealing with problems because we deal with these same things today. And Father, it's amazing that almost 2,000 years later, we're still learning from these people. We're still growing. And our children will learn from this. And our grandchildren will learn from these same passages. And I pray, God, that you would help us to teach them and help us to guide them as other people have taught and guided us and helped shape and mold our faith, and our relationship with you. We love you today. We thank you so much. I said in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks again for tuning in for another week. We love you. We're praying for you. As always, we would love to see you on campus, but if not, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and the podcast. Have a great week, guys.